Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We've been we've been um, going on a journey here for the past several weeks, probably a couple months now. We've been talking about who we are and what we believe. And the reason I'm doing this series is because of something that I encountered at another church. My wife and I had visited a church, and we went in, and, and uh, I asked the people there, I said, what, what is it that you believe here? And we believe the Bible. Well, that's, that's good, but what do you believe about the Bible? I mean, a lot of people believe the Bible. You know, even cults believe the Bible according to their interpretation of it. I said, but what do you believe? What is your church, what do you believe about the spiritual gifts? Um, I, don't, I don't know. What do you believe about salvation? I don't know. What do you believe about the baptism in the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I said, well, it's in the Bible. You know, do you know that? Well, that just struck me that this person that I was talking to had no idea what it was, the basic tenets of the faith that they believe in the church. So I thought, well, if that be the case here, when people come, I want our people to be able to answer that question. If someone asks you, what does the Bible say about salvation? What does it say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does it say about spiritual gifts? What does it say about healing? I want you to know. So therefore, it's my responsibility to teach you that, right? So here's some basic things that we believe. We have these, these tenets of the faith in our new member's manual, which we teach. Uh, incidentally, we're going to start a new class in January, a new member's class. If you're considering joining the church, we encourage everybody to go through that. But this is found inside that manual. And I'm just going to kind of go down through these things and you go along with me. The, we believe that the Bible is the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative Word of God that speaks with final authority concerning truth and morality. We good? All right. We believe that there's one God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Amen? We believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus in His virgin birth, in His sinless life, in His miracles, His vicarious and atoning death through His shed blood, in His bodily resurrection, and in His ascension to the right hand of God, and in His personal return in power and glory. Amen. That's what we believe. We believe that for the salvation of the lost and sinful man, regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. We believe that you must be born again. That's what that means. All right? We believe in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit by those by, by whose indwelling the Christian is enabled to live a godly, and might I add, powerful life. Amen? We believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit as promised by God to every believer to empower and equip for service. And we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operation thereof in the present-day church. It took me about three weeks to get through that one. I could go longer, but we're going to kind of move on. And the, and the next one is, and this is something that I am so thankful for. Good graces. You know, we're, we're, we're moving upon Thanksgiving. But you know, before, before our president years ago established a, a day in, in, in November the last Thursday in November, as a day of thanksgiving, God had already declared a day of thanksgiving. You know what day that was? Every day. Every day. God had already declared every day as a day of thanksgiving. But thankfully, in this country, we have, every, we have one day a year that we set aside where we are supposed to be giving thanks. Now, we've turned it into something else a lot of times. We've turned it into Turkey Day and football. 
I mean, all that's cool. That's good. You know, I love turkey and I love football. Most of the time if I eat turkey, I forget about the football game and fall asleep. Y'all know what that's like. But one thing that I am really, really thankful for is the resurrection. You know, there's a song that says, there ain't no grave going to hold my body down. I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for the resurrection. Why? Because if there was no resurrection, and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if there is no resurrection from the dead, we might as well just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. That's all there is to it. But thankfully, there is a resurrection. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and he was speaking about anyone who denies the resurrection, he's basically saying, you know, this is foolish talk. He said, have nothing to do with those who, uh, you know, talk this kind of foolish stuff. He said, bad communication corrupts good morals is basically what he said. And that's bad communication. If somebody denies the resurrection, that's bad communication because it's a reality. People have said, and I've heard people say, I just believe that when you die, you just die. And that's all there is to it. And, you know, some people live their lives that way. They have no hope. It's a destitute way to live, and I just don't want to live that way. But I have a hope, and we call this the blessed hope. Everybody say the blessed hope. Now, what is hope? Y'all have heard me say it before. What is hope? It is a confident expectation. Hebrews 11 and 1 says that, that faith is what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the confident of expectation, the confident expectation of things to come. God has given us that confident expectation, and we believe confidently in the resurrection of the, of the dead. Now, what is resurrection? I'm glad you asked that question, okay? Res, resurrection in the Greek is anastasis. It means a standing up again. A standing up again, literally raised up to life again. That's what it means, a resurrection. So when someone's resurrected, they don't just kind of get up halfway. They stand up on their feet. God, is, God raised Jesus from the dead. We know that he was in the grave three days, right? And he rose again from the dead. Now, Lazarus, Lazarus didn't really have a resurrection because he went back to the grave. He died again. But Jesus, on the other hand, he lives forever. He lives forever. He never died again. And the same promise concerning Jesus applies to you and me. Because he lives, you and I live. We have eternal life because of what Jesus did. Your eternal life began the moment that you accepted Jesus into your life. It doesn't begin when you cross over. Your eternal life began the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Isn't that good to know? He that has the Son has life. And he that does not have the Son does not have life. That's all there is to it. If we got Jesus, we got life. What is life? It's the Zoe of God. It's the Zao. It's God himself. It's the life of God in us. You see, we, when we're born, we are biologically present upon the earth. But when we are born again, we have Zoe. We have the God kind of life in us. Things change from that moment. Because from that moment, we're so alive that we can't be touched by the second death. It won't, it won't get us. So when we depart from this body, you know what happens? The moment we breathe our last breath here, we breathe our first breath in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Just like that. Hey, that's not a bad deal, is it? So therefore, I don't fear death. 
No wonder Paul, no wonder the disciples, no wonder the apostles were so ready to die for the cause of Christ because they knew. It's like when, when we see Stephen and he's, he's being stoned to death and even Paul was there witnessing this thing that was going on and Stephen was being stoned to death by the Sanhedrin. And as he's giving his last breath, he says, I see the, the heavens open. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. What was he standing there doing? He was waiting on Stephen. I got you, buddy. Come on home. Come on home. I know when my mother passed away, my sisters were present in the room, and she had not moved for hours. And they said, all of a sudden, Mama just raised her hands, and she went, oh. And that was it. I think she saw Jesus. I think he welcomed her home, and she was like, whoo, I'm going home. It's not a bad thing. So when we think about death, we see death in a different way than unbelievers do. Unbelievers are scared out of their wits concerning death. Why? Because they have no hope. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But I want to tell you what. Jesus has paid it all. We sang that song this morning. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Thank God he didn't send his son to condemn us. He sent the law, but the law condemned us, right? We didn't know about sin without the law. But where there are boundaries established and the law is established and there are the, the, the thou shalt nots and thou shalts and all of these things, the law, the things that we try to keep and we fail so miserably. How many have ever tried to keep all ten of the commandments? Yeah? You know, God gave Adam and Eve one and they couldn't even keep that one. He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because of our will. We just have a propensity a bent towards sin. And none of us are righteous. The Bible says there's none righteous, not one of us. There's not a one of us in here who can say, well, I've kept all the Ten Commandments. Oh, really? Have you ever in your mind, have you ever lied? Have you ever told an untruth? Have you ever gotten angry at someone and said, I wish that person were dead? Then you murdered them in your heart. Have you ever lusted over something? I was, I was up here with Lynn just morning, and, and we're looking at a, a Fender Stratocaster, and, you know, we, we coveted. He was showing me a picture of one. I'm like, yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, I, I kind of lusted after that thing a little bit. But we, we have those, those things. We, we, we break those commandments. Just that one. And, and James says, if you've broken one of them, guess what? You're guilty of them all. So that puts us in a bad place. But Jesus came to put us in a better place. He came and he died in our place. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus did for us. And I like what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I love the Passion Translation. It says, so now the case is closed. Case closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who were joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. It has no hold on me. Hallelujah. I'm free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because of what he's done. And the thing that sets us apart from all other religions is our belief in Jesus and his work at Calvary and then the power of his resurrection. If he wasn't raised from the dead, then neither will we be. But thank God he was. It's a known fact. 
It's historically proven that Jesus rose from the dead. There's, the tomb is there. It's empty. They have the empty shroud. They have all the proof that Jesus rose from the dead. And more than that, if you look around the world today, there's living proof everywhere. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is alive because of the power of the resurrection. And if he had not risen from the dead, we wouldn't be here this morning. It would have stopped right then and there. But it didn't. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and we, we, we share this scripture a lot at funerals. But I think we ought, to, we ought to share it a lot more when there's a life going on, like this morning. Thank God there's not a funeral happening. We're here today to celebrate. We're here to thank God for what he's done for us. And he says, listen, and I will tell you a divine mystery. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in an instant. In an instant. You know, how, how much is an instant? In the twinkling of an eye. Not a blink, but a twinkle. Has anybody ever tried to measure a twinkle? I think scientists say it's something like 158th of a second. That's, that's, that's quick. That's how fast it's going to happen. I believe it was Barbara Johnson. She's an author, Christian author, a, a comedian. She wrote a book. and She said, he's going to toot and I'm going to scoot. Just like that. Boom, we're out of here. You know, it's like somebody's going to look around and say, we're going to be talking to someone. It says, one's going to be taken, the other one left. You're standing there having a conversation. You turn around, they're gone. Like, man, they scooted out on me. Where'd they go? Well, they're gone. Husband and wife are lying in bed, and one's gone. And that wife's been praying for her husband all this time, and he's been stubborn and obstinate and not giving in, and all of us, she's out of here. It's going to happen just like that. I mean, even before the, the, the bed sheets can wrinkle. I mean, it's just, they're gone in a twinkle. For when the last trumpet is sounded, the dead will come to life. We will be indestructible and we will all be transformed. For we will discard our mortal clothes and slip into a body that's imperishable. Woo! What is mortal now will be exchanged for immortality. And when that which is mortal puts on immortality, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then Scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up in victory. So death, tell me, where's your victory? Tell me death. Tell me death. Where's your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting, and the law gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So now, beloved, stand firm and secure. Let your lives with unshakable, let your lives be lived with unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? Amen. The resurrection. Are you thankful for that? Man, a lot of things to be thankful for. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his love. I thank God for his provision. But the thing I'm most thankful for is ain't no grave going to hold my body down. There's nothing going to keep me back. And I'm thankful to know that this body that sometimes is racked with pain, sometimes my knees pop, 
Sometimes I get cramps in my legs. <laughs> I realize I'm getting older. Gravity is taking the toll. But gravity is not going to hold this body down. It just won't do it. Well, he's he's going he's gonna to toot and I'm going to scoot. I'm out of here. <laughs> Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. The Passion Translation, is, is, this is a description of the great white throne judgment. John saw this in the book of Revelation. He says, then I saw a great white throne and the one who sits upon it. Heaven and earth fled from his presence and they were no more. Now, that's the awesomeness of God, that heaven and earth flee from his presence. Wow. I saw the dead, the lowly and the famous alike. You know, one thing you will never see going to the funeral home. I've saw a lot of things going to the funeral home. And I always, you know, I love it here in the South because when we see a funeral procession, what do you do? You pull over. You just kind of sit there silently and wait. And I've looked, and I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul. I've never seen one, you know, with all, the, all of the possessions in tow. Because usually what happens with all the possessions, all of those who are left and re- alive and remain are fussing over it. Going through it, you know. We can't even wait for the corpse to cool off. And we're going, hey, what did mom and daddy have? What did my brother have? Did he leave me anything in the will? You know, we want to know those kind of things. But those things are left behind. They're, they're, they're useless at that point. The only thing that remains is what has taken place before the throne room of God. The only thing that really matters is, have we accepted his son? Have we responded to the call of the gospel? Have we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we accepted him as our Savior? Because if we haven't, then nothing else really at that point matters at all. Because John saw the lowly, the least of these, and he saw those who were highly exalted, the kings and the queens and everybody else. And one thing about the cross is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There are no high and there are no low. We're all the same. Without Jesus, without accepting the blood of Christ, we're all in the same predicament. Every one of us. Doesn't matter how much money we got. Doesn't matter about our wealth and fame. The only thing that matters is Jesus. I, I've been watching a lot. Have y'all been watching Kanye West? Isn't that amazing? To see what God is doing with that young man? I, I am just so amazed. And, and you know, his biggest critics are not in Hollywood or anywhere else. You know where they are? The church. A lot of the folks are just trying to tear him down, you know. But I tell you what, I, I'm appreciative of what he's doing. I, I love the fact that he's winning people to Jesus. I remember reading one time about Billy Sunday. Anybody ever heard of Billy Sunday? He was a baseball player, quite, quite well known. And someone asked him one time, he had a big stadium and he was preaching and he was a hellfire brimstone preacher. But man, when he would preach, people would get under conviction. They would come to Jesus, man. I mean, they would just flock to the altars. And one of his critics came up to him one day and said, Mr. Sunday, we don't like the way that you preach and give altar calls. He said, why not? Well, I think you just use the fear tactics too much. You try to scare hell out of people. He said, well, let me ask you, what method are you using? And are you winning any people to Jesus? And they were like, well, no. He said, well, I tell you what. 
I like the way that I'm doing it a whole lot better than I like the way you're not doing it. Because he's getting results. You know, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, but I'll tell you what. I'm here to tell you the truth, and there is a heaven to gain, and there is a hell to shun. Make that truth known this morning that hell is a reality. Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. He talked more about hell than he did about anything else but money. Because he knew where our hearts is, our hearts are. But Jesus talked a lot about hell. He gave a whole parable concerning hell. About a man who lifted up his eyes at hell. He was in torment in the flames of hell. And, and if, you know, Jesus preached about hell, then why should we not, right? Why did he preach about hell? Because he don't want anybody to go there. But he gave everything he had to keep us out of hell. God never intended anybody to go to hell. God intended all of us to be joined with him as his children. He gave us everything possible to make that happen. So here, John is seeing this, and he says, I saw the dead, the lowly, and the famous alive, standing before the throne, and books were open. And then another book was open, the book of life. The dead were judged by what they had done as recorded in the books, or deeds. You know, it's two separate books. We're going to be judged for the things we do and the things we don't do. That's our rewards. Yeah. God will reward us accordingly. If you've been faithful in the small things, God will reward you with greater things. But if you've been slack in the small things, guess what? It cuts into your bank account in heaven. Well, you mean God is going to judge me that way? Hey, see, that's in the Bible. Wood, hay, and stubble. All of the things that we have done in our lives, if they weren't done for God, if they weren't done for the benefit of the kingdom, guess what they are? Wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that we do for him, the things that God allows us to do, we're faithful in the things that God has called us to. That's silver and gold, and those things are imperishable. And those are the things that we will receive as a reward before God. And if you've been faithful in the small things, guess what? God will make you ruler over greater things. But, you know, I don't know exactly how he measures all that out. I'm not God, so I can't, I can't make that determination for you. We hear you, Lord. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And then death in the other underworld gave up their dead, and all were judged according to what they had done. Then death and the realm of dead, which is hell and the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, if it's not recorded in that book, nothing else matters. We're doomed unless our name is in the book. How is our name entered into that book? I love it when we do heaven's gates and hell's flames. We have the angels over on this side and we have the devil over on this side, you know, heaven and hell. And the angel is standing up there. I always loved it when Janice would do it because you got those piercing blue eyes and she would look down at that and she would scan across to see if their name was in the book. If their name was in the book, she would point over this way and, of course, all the angels would go, woo! You know, just rejoicing. But if she went like this, it meant their name was not in the Lamb's book of life. 
and they were thrown into the lake of fire. And that's the truth. That's the reality. That's the reality. Sometimes we don't want to think about that. We don't talk about it a whole lot. And a lot of times churches have become counseling sessions as much as anything else because we want to make everybody feel good about themselves and understand who we are in Christ and know that we're wonderfully loved and all that. And that's great because we are. But just as important, it's important to know that God has prepared a place for those who love him. Jesus told his disciples in John 14 and 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you that I might receive you unto myself. And if it were not true, I would have told you so. You see, God has, has given Jesus. He has come to prepare a place for us. But that place can only be attained by believing in him. Those who reject God's mercy through his son are condemned to an eternity of torment in a lake of fire. But thank God for his love and mercy. Say that with me. Thank God for his love and mercy. Paul made it clear to the church at Thessalonica what would take place during the rapture of the church. Because there were some questions concerning this that they were asking. What, what, what about us? What, what's going to happen to us? Because a lot of them were, at that, by that time, you see, they had a, had a first generation of Christians, and a lot of them were dying off. So a lot of Christians were concerned because Jesus had promised that not many days from now, I'm coming back again. Listen, understand this. The day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years with the Lord is one day. So the Lord's only been gone a couple of days. He's coming back soon, just like he said he would, right? We have to understand God's concept of time and eternity. But Paul said to the Thessalonians in uh, chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Dear Beloved brothers and sisters, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like so many others who have no hope. What is hope? A confident expectation, okay? Some folks don't have that. They don't have any confidence because they don't know what they believe. But listen, I know what I believe. Do you know what you believe? What does it say in Philippians 1, 6? For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. And he says, I want you to be quite concerned, uh, certain concerning the truth, concerning those who passed away, so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like many others who have no hope. Listen, if you've got a loved one that knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they've departed, let them go and stop whining. Get over it. It's time to move on. Because they're in heaven. Okay? They're not suffering anymore. You're suffering. They're not. And I hope that helps somebody this morning. Because so many people hang on to their loved ones far too long. There's nothing you can do to bring them back. Once they're gone, they're gone. You've got to move on with life. And I know that may sound hard and cold. But it's a reality that you need to get a hold of. They're in heaven, so trust God with that. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? We also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who died while believing in him. This is the word of the Lord. We who were alive in him and remain on earth when the Lord appears will by no means have an advantage over those who have already died for both will rise together. It's going to be like, all rise, 
And we're going to rise together. How are we going to do it? For the Lord himself will appear with the declaration of victory, the shout of an archangel, and the trumpet blast of God. He will descend from the heavenly realm and command those who are dead in Christ to rise first. Then those who are alive will join them. In other words, we're going to be transported in the clouds to have an encounter with the Lord in the air. The word there is the word harpazo. This is where we get the word rapture. It means a snatching away. God's going to snatch us away from this place in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen so fast. It's not going to be like you see in the movies, you know, like this, this five, ten minute thing that's going to take place. This trumpet's going to sound. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the works of the archangel. And then the dead in Christ are going to rise. And we're going to be called up together and meet the Lord. Woo! We're going to be transported together. We're out of here. When I was a youth pastor in Mooresville years ago, and, and, and I found out later that they still carry on that tradition, every year at a certain time, we would have a rapture drill. It was, whoop, we're out of here, you know. We're going to be called up together in, in the clouds to have an encounter with the Lord in the air, and we will be forever joined with the Lord. So encourage one another with these truths. Listen. Go around and encourage one another. Hey, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. How about you? When the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout, we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. We're out of here. We're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this old skin that we're in is going to be changed. I'm going to go back to having all my hair back. It's going to be amazing. I I think it was... uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Is a funny guy, is a Christian, that that had the vision of of, of heaven. Oh. Jesse Duplantis. Yeah, thank you. He had a dream, and God showed him in the dream that you know when he when he went in in, in his dream he went to heaven, and when he got to heaven, everybody was about maybe twenty eight to thirty years of age, a mature person. That's where everybody was, you know. And, and, and everybody was healthy and whole. I mean, he was walking around looking at people, saw his mama, and his mama was young, and his daddy was young, and, you know, everybody that he knew that knew the Lord, and everybody was young and about the same age. Even those children that had been aborted, Jesus had all of those in a special place. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He loves those babies. He loves us all. And, 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 this is, this is our blessed hope. We don't have to be like those who don't have any hope. Or even those who hope so. You know, we have some people have a hope so religion. We think that my religion is going to be good enough to get me into heaven. Have you ever asked somebody, are you going to heaven? And they give you this answer, well, I hope so. Hey, that ain't good enough for me. Somebody asked me if I'm going to heaven. I say, yes, indeed. How do you know? Because of what God's Word says, I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I know my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I'm going to heaven. I know that. I don't have a hope-so religion. I have a hope-so salvation, confident expectation that what God's Word says is true, and I know it to be true. Amen? Okay. We have a confidence, a faith in God and His power. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, he says, My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his righteousness that comes from God. 
And I certainly long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience the complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of the dead. Ah. So the promise of the resurrection was an overwhelming, overwhelming driving force in Paul's life and in the life of every true believer. You see, if we know Jesus, we realize this one truth. This world is temporary, and my citizenship is not here. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm just passing through. I tell people all the time, I'm an alien. Look at me. I don't belong here. I kind of fit the part, don't I? I don't belong here. My citizenship is in heaven. So if you want to know what people look like in heaven, just look at me. I'm just kidding. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That's why we're to yearn for all that is above. That's where Christ sits enthroned with, at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heaven realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And your new true life is hidden away with God in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will be revealed. For you are one with him in his glory. So when we see that, we get a hold of that, that causes us to live with an eye to the sky. We're not focused so much on what's happening here around us. We understand there's another reality. There's a reality that's far above us. And what we're going through right now is only temporary. Thank God. Thank God. The political things, you know, all of that stuff, all of this stuff that we get so swamped in, it becomes like filth that just, like a cesspool of stuff that will weigh us down. But if we keep our eyes on the prize, if we live in a heavenly expectation, and we have that hope within us, and believe and understand that we got something far better than what this world has to offer. We're willing to give it up, right? First John chapter 3 says this in verses 1 through 10. See how much our Father loves us. For He calls us His children. And that's what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that they're God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not shown us yet, yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But all we do know is that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there's no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But everyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who's been sinning from from the beginning. But the Son of God came to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. Destroy what? Sin. Sin. 
And those who've been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. But you say, well, pastor, we all sin. You don't have to. You don't have to. Sometimes we do. But I thank God there's a remedy for that too. It's also found in 1 John chapter 1. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us of all sin. So, so now we can tell who, children of, who are the children of God and who are the children of, of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Huh. So, here's a statement I want to make to you. This is my closing statement today. So our citizenship in heaven isn't dependent on who you are. It is based rather on whose you are. Not who you are, but whose you are. Do you belong to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Him? If you have, you're a child of God. If not, you're not yet. But we can fix that. There's a simple solution to that. The Bible says that Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart man believes in the righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. God's raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It's just believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Accepting that fact that he's Lord above everything. Accepting him as your Savior. Changes everything. Puts our fixation on heaven. And not on the things here. Listen, the older I get, y'all can tell, you know, the sun's going to go down pretty soon on me. We've got another generation rising up. Thank God for that. You know, when I say pretty soon, because I look at in terms of years, and they go by so quickly, don't they, John? Man, when I was on the other side of 30, I was thinking, man, time sure goes by slow. Seems like when I hit 30... I kind of started to press down on the gas a little bit. But boy, when you hit 60, it's like, man, where are the brakes? Because time just goes. But that's not a bad thing. I think God allows that for us that, that are in the last years of our life. It puts an expectation in us of heaven. It also puts an urgency in our spirit. To do everything we can for God. Understanding that our time is short. But we should all, should all have that expectation within us. But this morning, if you don't know the Lord. I mean, you might be here this morning and you've heard about Jesus. You've seen other people and you see their lives and you see them enjoying life. And they have the same problems that everybody else. But people that know the Lord, it seems like they have a quiet confidence. Everything's going to be all right. And it is. You know, he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Everything just seems to work out for the child of God, doesn't it? Listen, death is not the final thing for us. It ain't no big deal. I mean, if we die, we go to heaven. I've told the Lord and I've asked him, Lord, you keep me here as long as you need me here. But Lord, when you're done with me, please take me home. I want to go home when the Lord's done with me. I want to go home. I want to be with Him. That's my life's goal is to be with Him. 
I don't know about you this morning because I realize that here in this life, Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. He's overcome it, but he's given us the power and the authority to be overcomers too. And that's only because of who is inside of us. So if you're here this morning without Jesus, I want to give an invitation to you to come to know the greatest thing this world has ever had offered to them. It's the gift of life through God, through His Son, Jesus. God so loved the world. He loved you so much that He gave His only Son that if you would believe in Him, if you would give your life to Him, if you would surrender Him, oh man, you would have everlasting life. A life worth living. Man, I cannot tell you the difference. I've known the Lord now for over 40 years. I've walked with Him. I've lived with Him every day of my life. And I want to tell you, I don't know what took me so long to surrender my life to Him. Because since I've given my life to Jesus, it made such a difference. Such a difference. And you can know Him today. All you have to do is believe on Him. To ask Him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And He'll come into your heart just like that. That's all it takes. Believe on Him. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And, you know, I don't think we give enough altar calls in church to give people opportunities to come to know Jesus as much as we should. We should never let an opportunity pass to allow somebody to come to Christ. So if you're here this morning, this is your opportunity to know Jesus. You don't have to sign a piece of paper. You don't even have to shake my hand. You don't have to do anything but trust Him. But in order for us to be able to help you and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, I just want to ask you to do one thing. And I know God is speaking to some hearts this morning. Just so you got some brothers and sisters that can surround you and help you in your relationship with God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to come to know Him. I'm going to ask you to do something for me. And I'd like for every believer in here, every person that knows God this morning, to just bow your head quietly. And I'd like for you to pray. For those of you who may not know Jesus this morning, and maybe if you're unsure, you think you might know Him, you might have grew up in church, but you're not, still not quite certain that you know Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. If you know Him, you're sure of it because He makes such a change in your life. But if you're here this morning and maybe you're unsure and you want to make sure, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to know the Savior. Would you just step out from where you are and just make your way to this altar this morning? Anyone, just make your way down this morning. It's just that simple. We're just going to love on you. That's all. Anyone this morning would say, Pastor, I'm a little bit scared or I'm a little unsure. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand this morning and slip it right back down. Nobody's looking around. But this is so important. This is the most important moment of your life. Because if you respond to God this morning, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you have that blessed hope, that confident expectation of things to come. Wonderful things that God has for you.
So is there anyone this morning would come? Maybe you don't want to come to the altar this morning, but you're willing right where you stand to make a declaration before God. This is just between you and Him. And I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come, but if you just step your hand up and just slide it right back down. Anyone. You want to make a declaration to God this morning. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Give you just a moment. You don't have to ponder it. Just slide your hand up and you can slide it right back down. Is there anyone else? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning for your promise. You loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place. Would you just pray this prayer with me, everyone in the house, just for the sake of the one who raised their hand this morning. If there's anyone else, you didn't raise your hand, but you want to pray this this morning. This is your prayer to God. I'll just lead you and you can just pray along with me. God in heaven, I'm a sinner. I recognize my sin before you. And I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I invite Jesus to come into my heart this morning. To be my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sins. I thank you, Lord. By this declaration, that because I've asked Jesus into my heart, I believe in him. I believe that he's your son, that he died for my sins, and he rose again, and that he is the son of God. I accept him as my savior, and I thank you, Lord, that because your word says that if I receive him as my Lord and savior, that I become alive in you. I'm a new creation in Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for a brand new life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.